I want to invite you to close your eyes and uh, pray one more time as we ask for a special blessing. God, we have sing, praise your name, and we just want to hear from you. So for the next few minutes, God, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A symbol, according to the dictionary, it's something that represents something else by association, resemblance, or convention. This morning I have a few symbols that I want to show you on the screen, and I want you to tell me to, what they represent to you. And the first symbol that I have, McDonald's, heart attack, <laughs> breakfast, fries, good job Holly, milkshakes, hamburgers, all the good food that is not approved by chips. Maybe it represents the place where you had your first date. I, you know, I, it represents a lot of things to a lot of people. Next, next symbol. Superman. What does this represent to you? Saul. <laughs> I pay him to do that. I'm going to take him to lunch <laughs> this week. What do you want, claim jumpers or Red Robin? <laughs> Comics, cartoons, Hollywood. Next, next symbol. Money, wealth, dollars, greed, bills, school loans. Next symbol. Ah. Uh, Ah, uh, chocolate. <laughs> wow, Valentine's. You know, in the first service, they said uh, a heart. And I, I remember, well, I didn't go to medical school, um, but I remember in biology 101, like back in junior high, and that doesn't look like a heart. However, it still reminds us of a heart. Really interesting. That's the power of a symbol. Next, next symbol. Liberty, freedom, 4th of July, barbecues, the American flag, what is it? Fireworks, that's right, New York. Uh, can you believe that in maybe other countries, this may represent hate or oppression? You know, symbols. How about the next one, Dustin? And thanks so much for helping us out. Ni just do it. That's right. How many of you thought about Nike, the goddess of victory in Greek mythology? None of you, huh? Ah, a couple of you in the back. Sports, athletic gear, tennis shoes. Next symbol. Jesus. What else? Salvation. For the Romans, this, this could have been uh, an instrument of torture. Yet for us, it's hope. Love, sacrifice, victory, Christianity, church. Last but not least. The Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci. Communion. Now this morning I want to talk to you about communion in the next few minutes that we have and uh, we're celebrating this, this ancient ritual of communion.
I want to tell you, communion is a symbol uh, that represents something, something powerful. However, most of us in our generation, uh, we, we, we think of communion as, as a long program. Um, we think maybe that's the day we take a holiday from attending church or we skip and go to the university church. Um, you know, I was guilty of this. I remember checking on the internet, making sure that before I go to church, there was no communion program for that Sabbath. Um, these are some of the things that remind us of when we think of communion. However, this morning, I, I want us to think about something else. And for that, I want to take you to the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 22. Um, verse 7. This is the story of the Last Supper, and if we're to get something out of communion, we should maybe review the story of, of, of the Last Supper. In verse 7, the Bible says that, Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. This Jewish tradition uh, had been celebrated for hundreds of years, and Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry. He has a few more hours before he is arrested, and yet the Bible says that he wanted to spend some time with the disciples and celebrate this awesome tradition. Verse 8, the Bible says that he sent Peter and John and told them, hey, prepare everything. Make sure you get everything ready. We're going to celebrate tonight. And Verse 9, typical guys, you know how it is when you give uh, instructions. Uh, uh, where do you want us to prepare for it? Uh, can you give us better instructions, details, so we don't get lost? And the Bible, the Bible says that verse 10 to 12, Jesus was really specific, told them what to do to make sure they do everything according to the plan. Verse 13, the Bible says that they left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his disciples reclined at the table. When the hour came, that is referring to the time in which the, last, uh, in which the Passover meal was served. Because according to scholars, the hour for the eating of the Passover was set at sundown on the month of Nisan on the day 14. So you can see it's sundown, everything's ready, Jesus and his disciples are reclined at the table. Verse 15, he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, and he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you did you notice jesus passed two cups most of the times we read the story and we think about the bread the wine that's it but Luke is the only one who mentions two cups if you do the research you're gonna find out that actually the Passover meal consisted of four cups and and the writer of, of the book of the Eucharist words of Jesus Joachim Jeremiah he, he he mentions in his book that the Passover meal consisted in four sections. The first section had to do with a bunch of words of dedication, uh, prayer for the first cup. Then they will pass a preliminary dish, which uh, were green herbs, bitter herbs, and a sauce made of fruit puree. 
Then the meal was, was served but not eaten. They would bring a second cup. They would mix it and put it in a place, but they would not touch it. Then they would move to the second section where the son would ask, you know, why is this night different from the other nights? And the father would explain, quoting the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. And they would go and read other passages, including Psalms 113, 114, and even 118. After this, they would drink the second cup. Then, finally, they would get to the meal. And grace was spoken by the father figure over the unliving bread. The meal consisted of Passover lamb, unliving bread, bitter herbs, and fruit puree with wine. Then there was grace giving over the third cup. And to conclude the Passover meal, they had more reading of the Psalms, praise, celebration, songs, and a fourth cup. In fact, if you read the, the, the account of Matthew and Mark, you're going to see that towards the end, the disciples sang a song before they left. Because a Passover meal was a, was a complicated thing. A lot of details went in to preparing this meal. Now, as we read the accounts in the New Testament, we notice that all these details are missing. The writers, they decided to concentrate on the new meaning. They forgot, or they didn't forget, but they decided to emphasize the new meaning of the Passover meal. It was no longer the historical Israel, the liberation of, of, of slavery and, 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 and the freedom they obtained from Pharaoh. It was something more powerful, bigger, more inclusive. That included Gentiles and Jews, included Americans, Mexicans, Middle Easterns, Asians, and all the world. For that reason, they decided to just write, the bread is the body of Jesus Christ. The wine is the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out in Calvary for you and I. I think all of us are aware and we, are, we have celebrated the the, the communion, and we know the meaning, the theological meaning. But what about the practical meaning? Especially as we finish communion today, what next? When we go home, what should we remember about this? I study and spend some time on it, and I decided to throw in my two cents and sh show you what I learned. First of all, as we celebrate communion, as we celebrate this symbol, remember that communion, it's all about community and coming together. You see, in ancient times, sharing a meal was something special. It was not done in the drive-thru. It was not done uh, with the TV and the radio. Everybody would sit together and listen to one another. It was something to build community. Communion is supposed to do that to all of us Christians. In fact, you understand Paul when he's upset in the first letter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 17. He writes to the church, this is what I heard, church. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I heard that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there had to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you celebrate. Who? Paul is upset. 
Why? Because communion is supposed to bring us together. It's supposed to build community. This is the only time, this is the only time in which all of us will share the bread and the wine unless you go to potluck. And even then, half of you will go home. This is the only time where the people in the front, the people in the balcony, the people in the side will share together a meal where it won't matter if you're a Republican or liberal, Democrat, independent, conservative, black, white, educated, rich, poor, not educated, legal or not legal. For the first time, we can come together as a body of Christ and share in his sacrifice. That's the whole point of communion. It brings us together at least for a few minutes, four times a year. Symbol of communion, all about community. Also, as I keep reading and trying to understand what communion meant and what it means to us, I see that communion is also about liberation and freedom. He has just right. The, the, the Israelites remember every time they took this meal, they remember about their ancestors. And you remember Exodus 13, 14. There's this text that I really love because it, it helps us remember um, why they did the things they did. It says that in the days to come, this is God telling Moses, when your sons ask, what does this mean? Say to them, with the mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. The symbol of communion, it's about liberation and freedom. Some of us may be celebrating Independence Day, celebrating the freedom that we have in this country, and may think, oh, this is not relevant to us here in the U.S. Well, think again. Some of us need freedom of guilt, the guilt that has been eating us alive for years, the shame that we carry, our failures, our sins for missing the mark. Some of us need liberation and freedom from, from our addictions. And just because you don't drink or smoke doesn't mean you and I don't have addictions. We need liberation of anything that is oppressive and hurting us, anything that is negative and destroying us. When we celebrate communion, this is the kind of meaning that we should think about. Judgment. Also, when you look at, into this symbol, I want you to think about the way of life. The way of life that is promoted by Jesus Christ. A way of life that is radical and transforming. In fact, if you read verse 19, Jesus said, Do this in remembrance of me. And we're so good. We decided to do that for almost 2,000 years. And we put the wine, we put the bread. But maybe, maybe we're missing out what Jesus was saying when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Maybe he meant something else. Maybe he said, do this in remembrance of me. What he really meant was maybe a lifestyle. When he said that his own body is given for others, when he said that his blood is poured out for others, maybe that's what he's asking us to do. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, the Greek word to give is not just a give $2, $3 when somebody asks you. It's give everything you have. It's the same word used in John 3.16, for God gave his son. That's the same thing Jesus is asking us to do. Do this in remembrance of me. 
when I give my own body, when I pour out my blood for others. In the same way, the Greek word pour, to pour out means to distribute largely. Not a couple drops of blood, not a couple drops of grace, but to distribute largely, especially to those around us who miss the mark, who make mistakes, who are still struggling. This is what he's asking us to do as a church, to do this in remembrance of me. Anybody can put a program and for four times a year just celebrate communion, but the hard part is to go home and live a life that assimilates Jesus Christ, where you give 100%, where you pour out, not just for your family members, but for others, your neighbors, the strangers, the members, the non-members, your friends, and even your enemies. Do this in remembrance of me. Now this morning, as we celebrate communion, think about a, of a symbol, a symbol that is more powerful, so powerful that it's calling us to change our lifestyles, calling us to be different. For a reason, the early church in the book of Acts was a dynamic group of people. If you read chapter 2 of the book of Acts, you're going to find out that they were selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Even chapter 4, it says that there were no needy person among them. Imagine if the newspaper of Calimessa would print that about the city. The church of Calimessa has poured out, has given everything they have. And in our communities, there are no needy people. And I'm not talking about just giving financially, but time, emotionally, spiritually, giving back to people who are in need. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a higher calling that all of us are asked to do. So the next few minutes, as we pass the bread and the wine, think about what Jesus actually really meant when he asked us to celebrate this. This week, I, I went to Costco. Costco is a big and scary building. You can get lost in that place. Um, and we got lost. But um, in the very back, there are a bunch of nice ladies who have these little things, little samples of food. And uh, I was starving after hours and hours of being lost. And I decided to taste one of their samples. It was apple pie. Oh, so good. Went back to her and I asked her, is, is this the pie? Is this really it? She's like, no, this is just a sample. The real stuff is right here. And she showed me a pie that could feed like an entire city, you know, Costco size. It's just huge. It was just a sample. Represented something big. The same way we are about to pass a sample of God's love to you. Don't get confused by the size. It's just a sample. God's love is much bigger than we can show you today. So think about that as we celebrate the ritual of communion. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. Because at the end, it just boils to love and the call to love one another. As we celebrate this ancient ritual, we pray that you transform us, change us, and make us a better church. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful this morning for the opportunity to hold in our hands the symbols of your life and your ministry and your sacrifice for us. The piece of bread that represents your broken body, the juice that represents your blood spilled for us. And as Pastor Saul was reminding us this morning, we pray that as these small tokens become a part of our body, that the life that they represent might fill us and overflow out of us into the lives that we touch around us. We pray now that you would bless these emblems in Jesus' name. Amen. God, we, we thank you. Thank you for the freedom you gave us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the love. We just finished celebrating communion, God, and we just want to go home, want to go to work, to school, to the places where we hang out all week, and we want to be different because we want to do this in remembrance of you every day of the week. So that is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.